and welcome back to Citizen Talks. My name is Joanna and I'll be your host. Today's episode is all about navigating success and maintaining well-being in the dynamic world of IT. We'll be busting myths about what it takes to succeed in the industry, all while emphasizing the crucial balance between career goals and personal well-being. To guide us through this discussion, please join me in welcoming our fantastic guest, Darina Sobolieva, our engineering manager in customer times. Hello, everyone. I'm really glad to be here today with you. Hello, Darina. It's, it's great to have you. And please welcome Alexi Yeshkov, also engineering manager in customer times. Hello. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for joining us today. Um, could you please share a bit about your background and describe your current role in customer times? So let me start then. Um... As you said, I'm engineering manager, but I started my way in customer times more than eight years ago. And uh, I started as a consultant, Salesforce consultant and business analyst. And through my way from for this role, I also uh, took a part of uh, like project manager role and I was combining them and had the pure project manager position. And now I'm here on the engineering manager role. Um, joining projects from time to time and trying to share my best experience. So I hope it will help us today in discussing our topics. Thank you so much. And Alex, what about you? I'm also an engineer manager. I started my career around 10 years ago. Um, for four years already, I'm with customer times, made my way through being a software engineer, um, had a chance to be a sales technical consultant, uh, I also had a chance even to manage a location at customer times. Now back to somewhere between being manager and software engineer. So yeah, I had a lot of stuff, good and bad, um, and I'll be glad to discuss all that stuff with you today. I'm excited to have you both here today with me and to discuss this amazing topic with both of you. So let's start off by addressing our first myth. The belief that to succeed in IT, you have to be glued to your devices 24 seven, all the time. It's this idea that being online and connected day and night is the only path to success in the industry. But you know what, I'm, I'm wondering, does this mindset really have to be the key to success? Or maybe there is a better way to handle the challenges of IT industry without neglecting our own well-being? Darina, I'm really curious to hear your perspective on that. A very interesting question. I agree. Um, for me, the core of the well-being lies in listening to your wishes that raise deep inside. So let's say if I uh, see the message from my colleague uh, outside of my working hours and I want to respond, but for the sake of well-being, because it's already late, I close my laptop and try to switch to a conversation with a friend or cleaning or something else like a sport exercise, I will still be thinking about this question and planning my response. And it will lead me to exhaustion actually, instead of relaxation and filling with energy. It is very similar for me uh, to the case when you want to finish a task and you decide to postpone it. I think you know this feeling, right? It's when you when it's following you everywhere, everywhere you go until you return and actually finish it. Uh, but from the other side, 
I would say that if an occasional situation changes to a habit and every message is read and responded at once, even deep at night, it's a very different thing. I would even call it some sort of addiction when you cannot switch your attention to another sphere of life that are actually also very important. And to be honest with you, I have some problems here. So from my experience, I can say that with time, it will lead to health problems. Spoiled relationship with family and friends with phrases like you are married to your work and never have time for us and decrease the total well-being in general. And I know two options how to manage such cases that I can share. So first option works for those who are good in prioritizing. If you can read the message and define the priority and criticality and based on that decide when to respond and inform your colleague about that. And if all of that doesn't take a lot of stamina from you, then it's a good option for you. This way you are aware of everything and at the same time you can quickly return to you what you were doing when the message came, right? But if you are tired from what I just said and if a prioritizing is a problem for you, so um, if reading a message for you means that uh, you will be falling out from the conversation with a family or friends, for example, for half an hour at least, then uh, there is also another option. Just don't open chats outside of your working time. You can set clear working hours. And if you are worried that other people might need your help, set the status message, for example. Set there the details on your working hours and when you will return to work. And also remembering that many of us are working from home right now. You can create a ritual for starting and finishing your work. Um, and it will help you in differentiating working and personal time. For example, going for a walk is a good idea before the start of your working day and after finishing it. And going back to this uh, approach for not opening chats, I use it uh, when I take leaves. And to those who are still worried that something critical could be missed, if they really need you, they'll find you. So what do you think, Alex? How do you see this myth? So personally, when it comes to deciding how should I spend my time, whether I want to spend it on my work or whether I want to spend it with my friends and family, I usually draw an analogy with investments. Uh, and as a good investor, um, I have one very specific rule. I want to diversify my investments because if I spend all my time and all my energy uh, on my work, there is a certain risk that if something unexpected comes up, uh, I'm at risk of losing it all without having any remaining resources to restore my uh, physical and mental state. So each person has a lot of areas to contribute their time to. It is family, it is friends, hobbies, it is work. Uh, even chilling on the sofa is, is, and doing nothing, uh, aka improving our mental health, is also something we can contribute to. And personally, um, I have a recipe for myself. I'm not focusing only on my work. Um, and there is a reason why I'm saying this. It's not because I'm, you know, read something theoretical about that and I'm following this. Uh, this opinion is purely based on my uh, life experience. Uh, because there was a certain period of my time where I had this idea that working 24-7 is actually a good idea. And this is actually the best thing I can do for myself. So my definition of success was money. Like the more I work, uh, if it requires me working 24 seven, 
uh, it will contribute to my uh, wealth. Uh, I will become richer since the company will notice that, everyone will notice that, and I'll earn more money either way. However, as I already mentioned, there are certain circumstances which we cannot control. And if we, when we're doing great in our job, there are certain things that can come up, let's say COVID. And if company decides that, hey, we no longer need your services or we need to cut your salary, it's not always the case that your 24-7 contribution will be, uh, will be a decision-making argument to decide whether you're good or not. So I would suggest to work not 24-7, but do your work in the way that no one wants to reach out to you even during your working hours. So basic rule, work smart, not hard. That's my point. Thank you for this conclusion. And thank you for highlighting how important it is to also spend your time offline. I think it's very crucial, especially like you both mentioned now, when most of us work on remote, I think it's very important to make yourself go out and do some things and, you know, some activities that are actually not online ones, but also offline one. And now moving on to our next myth, the idea that to succeed in IT, you must be absolute perfectionist and constantly collect certificates. But is this really the case? And, you know, I'm thinking like maybe learning from mistakes is actually more effective than relying on certificates and curses. Alex, from your perspective, which approach works best? You see, I believe that certification is a great contribution to one's career. But what's important is what your real knowledge behind it. Um, according to my experience, theoretical knowledge of certain topic or technology usually is not enough to become an expert since whatever looks simple on paper or in documentation for a certain product uh, might be a real pain to work with when it comes to uh, real life. So that's where one's practical experience has more value and it doesn't really matter whether you're certified in that specific technology or product or not. And when it comes to me personally, I have two criterias based on which I decide whether I want and I need to pass the certificate or not. So those, uh, those criteria are, first one um, is, do I need, well, I'm asking myself a question. Do I need to learn a technology which is new for me for an upcoming project? Um, if yes, I usually define myself a measure. Like I need to know whether I'm good enough uh, in preparing for the project. Did I learn well? And, you know, certificate is actually a good measure because the company which uh, made the product, made the technology, they have their own definition of whether you're ready or not. So certificate is actually a good measure. And that's where I usually decide to start preparing for a certificate. However, in such scenarios, uh, usually you must learn quickly. And since uh, IT projects usually start very quickly and you need to get prepared quickly, uh, you don't have enough time to prepare for certification before the project starts. So while this is a good criteria, I, I still believe that this is a good criteria. 
it's not always the case that following it will result into certification. However, there is another option which covers such scenarios. I'm asking myself another question is, do I have enough practical experience with certain technology so that I want to verify my knowledge with a certificate? Um, if yes, I'm doing that because in that case, certificate is an actual confirmation of my uh, technical and practical experience. So uh, to sum it up, while being certified is great for your career, um, collecting certificates based on purely theoretical knowledge is not as valuable as doing so based on your real life experience. And what really matters is your real life experience, your practical knowledge, and certificate is not as important. Uh, Daria, what are your thoughts? Yeah, thanks. I, I think I will both agree with you and add some comments to another part of the wages too. So I would say that passing certificates can be very helpful because first of all, you can check your knowledge on a specific area and receive this important feeling that, yay, I really know it. You know, for some people, it's really important to have it. And of course, it works. This magic works if the preparation is correct. And it's not about looking for dumb questions when the main point becomes memorizing this question-answer pairs rather than actually learning something. And past certificates can also be very helpful when you are participating in various interviews. They help in building your personal brand and show that your knowledge is proven. But the trap here is that this knowledge is mostly theoretical, just like Alex said. So many of us had this feeling when you join the first project after passing your certification and the reality can be very different. I need to say that uh, structured theoretical knowledge can help very much on this stage, but only with real experience on several projects with some challenges, you can build this feeling that you really know something on this topic, at least something. <laughs> and learning from mistakes is also a great thing I want to mention. I know that it can sound like it doesn't make any sense if we are talking about perfectionism. Um, of course, if you fail something, it feels horrible and gives lots of stress. But if you resolve the issue in the end, you get the feeling that you can handle similar cases in future. You become more confident in your skills and other people feel this confidence very well. And if we return to the certificates, uh, the other thing that comes to my mind is that if you have many certificates, uh, but you don't work on corresponding projects for, for a long time, it can even play against you on some interviews because you can receive a question that you used to know, but now it's somewhere far in the memory. Oops. So that's my, my thoughts on that. Thank you so much. And while we were talking about uh, certificates, now let's move on to a topic that is quite familiar with uh, the idea of collecting certificates, uh, technical skills, and the common concept that technical skills hold all the power. So there's like this unspoken agreement that if you're a tech guru, you've got to make it. Like there's no other way you're gonna be a rock star. But here's the kicker. Often this mindset tends to put all the focus on tech skills and leaving stuff like well-being, soft skills in a background. So 
given this perspective, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, Darina. Is it really worth prioritizing technical skills over soft skills and well-being? Well, yeah, it's one of my favorite topics, actually. Um, I think that balance of hard and soft skills depends a lot on the role. For example, if we take developer and project manager, requirements to soft skills will be obviously different. But still, I'm a big fan of soft skills, and I think that they are needed literally everywhere for everything. Because most of the projects, and I would say actually whole life in general, they are about working with other people. Very seldom it happens when you are the only person in the team and there still will be some manager or stakeholder from the customer side. And being a manager myself, I have such cases pretty much often when the customer says something like, I like working with this expert very much, so let's prolong the project, everything is great. Or backwards, you know, I really don't like an experience with your specialist at all, so let's finish our cooperation at all and please, no more people from your side. And it's usually all about soft skills. Even technical issues can happen because someone was just afraid to ask. Um, and coming back to your question, I'm not saying that only soft skills rule. No, you need to learn your area deeply, gain and share technical experience to become a really good professional. But soft skills need to follow and not be forgotten. They are the first to come in handy when there is a conflict of any kind. And we all know that life is impossible without conflict. And talking about well-being, when a person is happy, balanced, stable, effectiveness of his or her work increases greatly. So it's also a very important thing to remember. And to draw some sort of a line, I will bring it this way. If you want to work with pleasant people that are patient or asking questions if they are blocked or suggesting help if you need it, you need to become this pleasant person for others. And what are your thoughts, Alex? What do you think? Um, I couldn't agree more with Darina on all the points that she mentioned. Um, so I would like to start my point with defining what is what is soft skills really, what soft skills really are. And the simplest definition that I can come up with is that having a well-developed soft skills is being nice and reliable person at the same time. Now, with that in mind, let's imagine a software engineer market where there are thousands of people with different level of tech expertise and their professional behavior. Um, according to common sense, every employer or every person responsible for you know gathering people on the project will make their decision based on not only good technical backgrounds of the person, but they will also pick those who are comfortable to work with. On the other hand, there is no way that company can go through each of these thousands of people and pick the best. You know, company may lack on time, may lack on budget, uh, and as a result, those lucky ones who didn't have a chance to face significant competitors with the same set of technical skills and good soft skills at the same time may think that, you know, being nice and reliable uh, and having good skills is not as important. However, as Darina mentioned, uh, in a certain period of time, 
it may result into conflict situations, right? Someone may not like working with this person on the same project. Uh, maybe even a customer will decide that they don't want to prolong any relationship with the company because they didn't enjoy their collaboration with that specific person. So either way, even if you are a lucky one who had a chance to kind of jump over the need of soft skills, in a certain period of time, you will face a situation that you either have to develop it or there will be another person who is more reliable and more nice than you. So to sum it up, I would say that while balance between soft and hard skills really it really also varies depending on one's role but when it comes to purely technical roles i believe that while technical skills are indeed above everything else soft skills are important for foundation that will help your success to persist that that's my thoughts on that thank you so much and um i think now I would like to explore another interesting concept that also um, is related a little bit to, to what we just discussed is this lone genius myth. And some people argue that IT professionals work best independently, while others believe in the power of collaboration, teamwork. Alex, I'm curious, based on your experience, do you believe teamwork? Or working solo is more effective in the IT industry? That is the most complicated question to me because it's really hard to decide. So while personally I think that, um, you know, uh, having a team is really important when you're trying to build something sufficient, there are several scenarios which I know where people all alone had a chance to build a very significant and really successful projects. Mostly those are related to gaming industry because, yeah, sorry, my hobby is gaming. Um, those are Minecraft or Stardew Valley. Those are projects that were purely created by a single person. So I know that it took a long period of time to make them. I know that uh, people spent thousands of hours to do them. However, I cannot say whether they will be as successful uh, if they were built in a team, right? Because we, we have only one scenario. They were built by a single person. Um, but uh, what I know for sure is when you want to build something more sufficient, uh, well, Apple, what comes to my mind first, but also if we're going back to gaming industry, the simple scenario that comes to my mind is if you want to make your game available for other countries, you need to do the translation. There is no way you can learn these all these languages and make a nice translation. Either way, you have to build a team of the people who will be responsible for that, for making nice localization and make and ensuring success of your product on uh, the markets of other countries. Yeah, so depending on what you define a successful product, you can either build everything alone or with your team. However, if you are looking towards something great, if you want to make an internationally acknowledged product, which is used everywhere, you might want to have a team who knows how to do certain things you're not familiar with. Uh, Tarina, what are your thoughts on the topic? Yeah, I think that I'm, I'm totally agree with you. So 
if we say in general, I think that the team has bigger potential than the solo specialist. Uh, and people that are working in the team can produce more complex, complicated and ambitious results. And I also believe that it can be applied in IT world too. But I also agree that there are specialists that they can build the great projects on their own and do great things. Yeah. And this long genius can be effective if they are, they have rather broad experience and expertise. And in other words, they can replace a small team of different specialists without failing in the quality level. Yes, it may take more time, but in general, it will be very high, high level quality result of work. But still, at some point, um, I'm still thinking that um, to be able to take bigger challenges and produce great results, even with uh, like for the most professional specialists, they can come to the question of building the team of experts and start sharing experience and building something bigger. After all, talking about Apple that you mentioned, even Steve Jobs didn't create it all by himself. He had a huge team. Thank you, Darina. We were talking a lot today about skills, both technical ones and soft ones. And now I would like to discuss with you theory that's, from my perspective, very interesting. Imposter syndrome is just for beginners. So we usually connect this sneaky feeling with people who are starting their careers, but many believe that imposter syndrome can affect IT professionals at any stage of their careers, and especially when they are switching roles or starting something completely new. So, Darina, do you think imposter syndrome is more common in certain roles or stages in IT career, or is it really just a beginner's thing? You know, I don't think that it's something unique or reserved for beginners only. Uh, yeah, I still remember how it feels when you are trying to pass your first interview with a big, scary customer and ensure him or her that you have all that experience that you actually don't. Uh, but it can happen even later when you already have a rather broad expertise and practical experience too. I saw such cases actually when a person is very skilled and already participating in a series of projects with lots of challenges. And other people who work together with this specialist say that he or she is very skilled and mature. And then you have this one-to-one -one meeting, conversation, and you hear that, hear that this person doesn't understand where the scheme comes from. And he thinks that, yeah, they all are getting it wrong. I think that, mm, you know, the source of this self-doubt can lie in high expectations from yourself. This is like the first thing that comes to my mind. I suppose that it works this way. So you think, what does senior elite level specialist need to do or know? And there are so many things you can imagine or think of that you are feeling like, wow, the whole life is not enough to learn it all. And what to do if you are already this senior elite specialist? Uh, so this is a very complicated question and it can raise, even though you have a broad exper experience, And what I recommend here, so the only way to eat an elephant is piece by piece. So this horrible mountain of super skills that you need to get or learn, it needs to be divided into simpler tasks. And yes, it will be a long list 
there will, there will be lots of them. But when you have a prioritized list, which has an ending with a key point here, uh, it's much simpler than uh, like for our minds, for um, psychological part, than not detailized ghost of this unreachable expert. So I hope this, this clue can help people who can face this syndrome in their life. And Alex, what do you think? What do you think about this imposter syndrome? Have you met such cases in your experience? Hello, my name is Alex and I have an imposter syndrome. Uh, well, and it's not really a joke, it, it really is. And uh, once I heard about it for the first time, I did some research on the topic. And what I feel is that imposter syndrome is actually work in another direction. And people who are not the beginners who are working in the industry for the long time, they have a higher risk of getting this. Um, so what I mean is that the, usually the beginners, they have very limited responsibility and they have fairly simple tasks to work with. Uh, so there is not really a lot of space for that small demon who sits on your shoulder and says that you don't deserve your role uh, and you don't know what you're actually doing. So, however, when your career grows, uh, especially when you start overseeing uh, the smaller or bigger group of people, your decisions may have a great impact on them and there appear a lot more things that you can worry about. Uh, so, I sometimes face the situation when I don't know what I'm doing, uh, when I'm not sure that I'm in the right position. Uh, I know that there are different ways how you can treat this. Uh, I found the best solution for myself. So the best way to uh, get rid of your imposter syndrome is to take the notes of what you have done during the day. Uh, so it may take one day, it may take three days, it may take two weeks. Uh, you just note this and once you have a revision on what you have done during this certain period of time, in most of the cases, in 99% of the situations, I do realize that I'm actually in the right place and I am doing the right thing. So I would say that, uh, first of all, uh, you, you, you're highly likely to find imposter syndrome uh, in a person who is for a long time in the industry. And uh, the other thing is you'd better do the revision of the stuff that you're doing to ensure that you're actually doing great and you should have nothing to worry about. So that's that's my point about the topic. Thank you so much. I hope that everybody who suffered this imposter syndrome will feel a little bit better and learn from, from your tricks and tricks how to overcome it. This brings us to the end of our exciting discussion. Darina, Alex, a big thank you to you for sharing our expertise with me and of course our audience. I'm sure that our listeners have now a deeper understanding of the challenges, but also about opportunities within the IT industry. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Yeah, thanks for inviting us. I really enjoyed the discussion. And as we wrap up, we want to remind our audience that success in the IT world doesn't have to come at the expense of your well-being. Please make sure to take care of your mental and physical health as you navigate your professional journey. And don't forget to join us for our next episode. We'll be exploring another fascinating topic that I'm sure you won't want to miss. 
Until then, take care and thank you for tuning in.